I mean, I was always taught, you know, confidence, no cockiness, and uh, just not gonna back down from anyone. I mean, you really can't ask for more than that, being put in a position like that, and you know, everyone's depending on you, so you wanna play at your best. They got their key pieces, some of the uh, take the top off guys. We're finna go in this game with the same mindset, execute our plays, and um, try to come out on top. Hey everybody, welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode number 67, coming off a week nine victory as Dalvin Cook destroys the Detroit Lions. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to look forward to the prime time game in Chicago this coming Monday. Joining me in the virtual studio, as always, from Vikings.com, Chris Corso, Jay Nelson, and boys, I want to look forward, but I want to start by looking back. Delvin Cook is on another planet right now, Chris, and he's getting the Adrian Peterson 2012 comparisons. He, he's climbing up the all-time statistics list for the Minnesota Vikings. You, I saw one tweet today. It's like, this is, you know, Adrian Speed and Robert Smith's uh, vision and, and on and on. We're, we're, it's almost getting ridiculous, but uh, this is a fun moment for the Minnesota Vikings because Delvin is kind of the central focus of the league in terms of high-level talent right now. Well, you think about the Vikings' great teams and and what Mike Zimmer wants from the Vikings, and it's a good running game and a good defense. And you go back, I go back to 2015 watching Adrian Peterson run, and that is the last time that I could remember that we had a running back who was doing these type of things, breaking big plays week after week. The, The two weeks he's come back since the loss to the Falcons, it's been season changing. It really has. Season changing. And now I see a pathway to the playoffs because of Dalvin Cook. There's no other way to put it than he should be the MVP of the NFL right now. Okay. Dial it down. Chris, I asked Chris to I'm give me his thoughts right on now. Dalvin Cook, and he might as well have uh, run a parade through TCO. I, I don't disagree with you, but he, here's what I am going to do. I'm going to play the realist here. I'm going to play the, not maybe not pessimist, but the worried fan, and I'm going to let Corso continue to play the insane <laughs> person, and you'll be the guy in the middle because I, I do think you have to consider him in the MVP conversation. I think, uh, I think to sit there and say that it's hands down is a, you know, you, Patrick Mahomes is still pretty damn good at football, and Aaron Rodgers is playing great, and despite the last weekend, Russell Wilson is playing great. But, Jay, I, I think my number one question here is it's been incredible to watch. It's been a really fun two weeks. Is it sustainable? Because these, these have been two very specific wins, in my opinion. We got off. We did the things that we wanted to do. We executed correctly, and we won football games. There wasn't really a moment where we had to shift course and adapt, we imposed our will on the Packers and we imposed our will on the Lions. And, you know, you get late in the season or if you get lucky enough to have a playoff run, to think that you're going to impose your will on another team four games in a row when you're talking about the best of the best in the NFL, that's a little more difficult. So is, is what we're doing right now sustainable? I think for me, the most encouraging part of it is the fact that it's not just Delvin. Delvin is the A number one topic because you're seeing him rip off 200-yard games and you're seeing him propel this offense in a way that is just unbelievable where the rest of his teammates, when we've got guys that are mic'd up, are just remarking at how insane Delvin is at this point. But the other thing for me is that you're seeing other areas of the team improving simultaneously. And that's the offensive line where you've had your Ezra Cleveland and O'Neal combo platter who've been opening up these giant holes. You have the younger cornerbacks who are starting to kind of come together as well. And and they're halfway through a season. So they're, they're starting to kind of get whatever is they were missing in Zimmer's system. And so seeing not only Delvin, but those other pieces as a team, I think it is encouraging and potentially uh, sustainable. The biggest hurdle now for me is this week against that Chicago Bears defense, because – 
they have given us fits for years. It's Soldier Field's been a house of horrors for us. So if your offense can now impose their will on the Chicago Bears this weekend, that's when I think you should really start to get excited for this offense. Well, and I think specifically, it's not just that it's been a house of horrors. It's not just that they're a tough, you know, it, we, historically we've had a difficult time there and, you know, historically a difficult time there during prime time. You know, it, to me, it's more about the very specific matchup of that front seven. You know, th- they get pressure on the quarterback and they can shut the running game down. The Tennessee Titans might have put one on them last week, but Derrick Henry didn't do anything. And, and so when you walk in there trying to impose your running game, if it's not working exactly the way you want, you get in a situation. I mean, this is, this is probably Kirk Cousins' least favorite matchup. You know, a, a front seven that can really get in your face and really put pressure on you. So, so Chris, going back to what I was saying earlier with the sustainability question, I agree with Jay. I'm excited about these last two wins, and I think it's fun now to feel relevant after the despair that I think a lot of fans felt through the first few weeks of the season. But this is the telltale game. This is, this is the game where you will see whether or not these things are sustainable when you're not maybe in the exact matchup you, you want to be. When Matt Patricia isn't out there throwing 10 guys on the field on defense and you're looking at Khalil Mack, that sort of thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And and one of the biggest issues the Vikings have had with the Bears, especially on the road in years past, is the interior offensive line against the big guys in the middle for this Bears defense and the pass rush. And Pat Elfon really has had a really tough time against this team. So, so Jay, you bring up Ezra Cleveland. I'm really excited to see how he does against this Bears defense in the run game and especially when Kirk drops back, whether it's in play action or to pass, which is probably going to have to happen in this game. We talked about that in the in the postgame report. We said, is this team going to be able to run down people's throats every single week, or is Kirk going to have to become the star of this offense? And I think, like you said, Cy, and out of all these games that we have coming up on the schedule, I think this is the game where Kirk needs to step up. He hasn't played great at Soldier Field. I look back to week four last year when they had like six points, and, and that was the Adam Thielen apology game and all that. We don't want that. We got to keep this train going, and I like the schedule after this Bears game. I think if we can win this game, there's a real chance that we're going to make a playoff run here. And it's interesting because you you hit it on the head there, Chris. You know, when you look back at that Adrian Peterson season, the 2012 season, you were talking about one hell of a defensive unit there. That That was a very good defensive football team. I'm not saying that this is a bad defensive football team. I'm just, we just need to acknowledge the amount of youth and an experience and growth that is yet to take place with this group. And so... You know, that was Adrian Peterson's second half of a season carrying a team. I think Dalvin is going to be dominant throughout this entire year. But you hit it on the head, Chris. When the game goes as well as it's gone the last couple weeks, all Kirk Cousins has to be is the best version of a game manager that you can imagine. Because Kirk, you know, normally when you get a game manager out there, they're guys who can't make all the throws. They can't make all the reads. Well, Kirk has the arm. He can make the throws. He has the abilities. We've seen it. He's like the best version of a Trent Dilfer type you could ever imagine to be to be playing in that situation. But now when we, when we walk, if Dalvin gets put on 40 yards this week, 50 yards or 60 yards, can we flip that script? And can Kirk be can Kirk be the guy who goes, okay, this is a quarterback-led offense in this situation? Because that's what you're gonna see late in the season. When you get into when you when you see the Saints, when you see the Buccaneers, if you get into the playoffs and you see the Packers, you see any of these good football teams, the way this team is gonna have to succeed with a young defense is you want to run the ball, you want to impose your will, but you have to have that secondary aspect and that ability to adapt, Jay. Yeah, it's kind of similar to the formula that the Tennessee Titans used last year, right? So Derrick Henry was 
the world beater for them, especially the second half of the season and their defense really started to lock down. And so for them, they're able to do that. I think it's a similar pattern here. The thing for us is that you've had a, a team that's been growing the youth movement. Think about it. Like two weeks ago, a giant chunk of the fan base were all writing everything off at this point. And now we've got these two dominant wins in a row by a, a, an insanely good running back. And if we're looking at a formula now that we think we can sustain, and what, what you're dealing with this week is strength on strength. And for those games like Tennessee and Seattle that we lost by a point this year against some top-tier talent and why those hurt so much was because you're like, if we could just clean up one or two small things, that can help push us over the top. These last two weeks, you've been able to do that. And then hopefully for Chicago, you get that chance to, to kind of hit that next hill. And if you can do that, you can start rolling downhill pretty good for the rest of the season. Well, and what an opportunity for your boy, uh, Chris, for Kirk Cousins. I, I, said, I, I don't know. I, I, must, I must be the most broken record in the history of podcasts because I don't know how many times I've expressed this sentiment that Kirk Cousins, everybody spends so much time debating him and arguing him on Twitter and, and weighing in. And it, I, I personally think with what's been built around him, the play will speak for itself. And you look at that first half of the season and, I mean, you're talking about an insanely long list of turnovers on the wrong side of the 50. You know, that Seattle game, two turnovers on the wrong side of the field. The Green Bay game right before half. A lot of these games, you were in really difficult situations. So now if Dalvin Cook is playing the way he is – you know, you heard Kirk say it was like, we got to stop trying to always hit home runs and triples. We got to get a couple singles or doubles. And, and I agree with that. You got to play smart football. But now what we're going to need to see from Kirk in the second half of the season and what I think we can expect to see and what I think he's more than capable of and he's shown in the past of being more than capable of is now walking in between those two concepts. We don't maybe need you to be a world beater and hit home run after home run after home run. But we also we could have some doubles and some triples in there to continue this insanely confusing sports crossover metaphor. You know, th- there's somewhere in between the game manager style role he's played the last two weeks and carry the entire team to a victory that I think we can expect from him. I think we're going to need it on Sunday against the Bears. And I think the fans can, can hope for that and expect that in the second half of the season. That's what we're going to need to see. And either he'll do it or he won't. I personally think that he will. I, I know I keep getting uh, aggressive messages in my, on my Twitter privately, but I, I do think it's right in front of him and, it's, and, and it's, he's more than capable. Well, what was the thing that he did in these past two games? What was the key thing that he did, Cy? What are you, what are you my dad? What are you teaching me a lesson? What he didn't the turn the ball thing? over. Exactly. He didn't turn the ball over. I think that's the biggest thing. Do not turn the ball over. And when the Vikings defense is making plays like it did last week with the three interceptions in the second half, it's the combination of actually making plays on the defensive side of the ball and us not turning the ball over, that differential when it's on our side and you have a running back who is just taking up the clock first down after first down, it's a pretty good combination and it works. And and when, when Cousins just does 13 for 20 with 220 yards, three touchdowns, that makes us a really good team and it makes us really hard to beat. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the fan base for a second, Chris. I, I, I agree with you, but it's a lot easier to do that when you have a stud running back putting up back-to-back 200-yard performances. My question is, you know, when we have to slide that meter a little bit more towards the middle, when it's not just about, you know, okay, here, now it's your turn, now play action. Now, like, when, when you need to be – Delvin is incredible, but – In the NFL, there are going to be times when you're going to have to complete a couple passes to open it back up for Dalvin. The best running back in the history of football still needs some help sometime. So that's what I'm saying I think you're going to need to see in Chicago, and that's what I think you're going to need to see in the second half of the season. I mean, if if Dalvin Cook 
continues to do what he's done somewhere near what he's done for the last two weeks for the rest of the season. You're probably talking about the single greatest individual performance in the history of professional football. So I don't anticipate that clip to keep up at that rate. And as that regresses, and the funny thing is, even if it regresses a bit, it's still probably an MVP level pace. I think you are going to need your quarterback to move towards the middle on that plane, if you will. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And they, the, the throw that he made to Justin Jefferson in the game last week, I think it was the best throw that he's made all season. I really do. And when he made that throw, my mouth, like, my jaws were like, oh, my gosh. If, if he's doing that, then we're, we're, we're moving. And that's the kind of throw that you're talking about, Cy. That's the kind of throw that we need him to make against the Bears. That's the kind of throw that, all right, we got the Panthers, we got the Jaguars, we got the Cowboys, but we need him to make that throw against the Buccaneers, against Tom Brady. So I think that's kind of the point that you're going with is when he can make a throw like that, this offense goes to the next level and you get Justin Jefferson involved who clearly needs the ball. And that, that's what I'm saying. I, I was kind of wrapping as we were talking our way through this, I was wrapping my mind all the way through your have a chance to make uh, a playoff sort of run here. And, and Jay, that's what I think is necessary. I think to have, I think Delvin's going to have an unbelievable season. He already has. I expect it to continue. If you think that you're going to be some sort of force, with that, that good of a running back and a young defense, you're going to need somebody else stepping up beyond just the simple, you know, do your role, don't turn the ball over. The other thing for me was on that play specifically, something happened just prior to that play that really encouraged me. And it was, I think it was two plays earlier, they attempted that exact same pass to Justin Jefferson. And as he was coming out of his break, he kind of stumbled and then he recaught himself. And by the time he got down the field, the ball was like a yard or two over his head. And so everyone just said, oh, it felt like Kirk overthrew him, but actually he stumbled coming out of his break. And for me, the best part was the fact two plays later, they went back to it again and then they hit it. And so for me, that just kind of shows like they have the confidence that they can go to the well when they have a chance on these things because they see it. They see that Justin's got a step on his guy. They see that he's got the ability. And for me, for Kirk, it was like, yeah, we missed it on this one, but we're coming back to it because we know we can hit that thing. And so to have that kind of confidence against some of those kind of players, getting Justin involved but then you see what Delvin does you know he had four touchdowns uh, a week ago and then he turns around and comes in and we're down on the goal line so what happens everybody loads into the box expecting Delvin to to get a handoff and try to get a two or three yard plunge and instead we're throwing little crossing routes to Irv and Irv's catching two touchdowns in the game you're 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 not beholden to just Delvin being the guy but you are utilizing what he's doing to defense is to open up other lanes with other players on your offense. And that's the thing. You can't just key on Delvin. Ride that horse while you can, but when you get a chance, then mix it up enough in order to keep him guessing. That's going to be your key to success for the rest of the season. Well, and you, ha- you had that moment last year where a, a tough start for the team, and then they went on you know this this great tear. And I think a lot of uh, critics or detractors go back and they go, yeah, well, you were playing the softest part of a schedule that a human could ever imagine. Sure. You went out and throw, you know, you played the Washington football team, the lions, you know? So, so then when you get back against good teams, you know, you had the Seahawks situation last year, it's where can we finally see this improvement in important moments, you know? And, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, minimalize a giant playoff win last year. I'm now applying that to this year because the Packers game was an odd game. You had a big-ass gust of wind that really allowed the Vikings to get off early and control that game on the ground. And once it started working, we executed. I mean, that was a steamroll. And then you have that same situation in Detroit. Now you get excited about all these things and you go into Chicago. And, and I'm curious – not just about Ezra Cleveland, who's getting all the, the discussion here. You know, in that Packer game, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, and C.J. Ham paved the way for that big day. I mean, our line did a good job, but those guys were out in front doing a hell of a job blocking. You saw Riley Reef in these last two weeks play 
his ass off. You're getting guys like the screen game is working. And when the screen game is working, that that's not a simple coincidence when it's working time and time again. It means your guys are getting out in front and executing as a full unit over and over. So what better test to find out whether or not what we've seen is real or if it was a two-week situation than against this devastating front seven that you've struggled with time and time and time again. So yeah, go in there. Let's see if those those if CJ and Irv and Kyle can block on the same level. Let's see if you're seeing Ezra Cleveland out in front pulling and leading. You know, it, it should be really, really exciting for Viking fans because I'm not going to sit here and tell you I expect them to walk the Bears by 15 points. But I'm, as a fan, excited to see how real what we're all feeling right now is. I think we're catching the Bears at a good time, too, because we know the struggles that happen when we go to Soldier Field. I said this on a few shows. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. doesn't matter who's on the team. We normally have trouble there in Chicago on Monday night, especially, I remember Cousins, his first game in Chicago on Monday night, he threw up like three picks, and I think there was a pick six in that game from Eddie Jackson. So I think it's going to be no turnovers, and you also need to protect the quarterback on the interior against this pass rush. It's going to be huge. You're going to watch Ezra Cleveland. You're going to watch how this offensive line is able to keep Kirk upright. I think that's the... I know we're not there to previewing the uh, the Bears, but no, let's just I think walk that's the, right into it. Because, because the biggest the, key is, is keeping him upright. I really think that's the biggest key to winning. I think I think one of the points you make is good. You you might be. I hate catching teams. Like there's no good time to catch a team. I always thought that was a load of sh- You know where it's like because if a team a team loses two three games in a row, they're desperate. If they win two three games in a row, they're hot. If they're coming off a bye, they're rested. If if they're coming off a, you know, off a Monday night game, they might be, you know, roaring and ready. Like the, the good news is for Viking fans is this is a Bears team that is struggling to score. You know, they have averaged 17 points a game the last three weeks. The last three full uh, games for Foles, which are three straight losses, you're talking 289 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions and 12 sacks. It's 289 yards a game, but only four total say combined? <laughs> three interceptions and 12 sacks. I mean, that is some really, really rough football. And, you know, there's a lot of questions going around the league about Foles right now. And I, if you're the Vikings, you can't let him breathe. You know, you got to – I just spent all this time talking about giving Kirk a chance to play a bigger role than he has these last couple weeks. But if you can get out there, whatever you do, you take an early lead and you can put the pressure on him and really, really keep – you know, we, we've talked time of possession over and over and over this year. Yeah. But really control the clock and make every single one of their possessions feel precious – because if their possessions feel precious in a guy that's already feeling all this pressure, Jay, every single mistake and every single shortcoming is amplified, and it could just swirl into a situation that's very beneficial for the Purple. Yeah, and they're, they're, the thing is their offensive running game is basically non-existent. They have been devastated by injuries, and so Foles has had that pressure on him at this point now where it's like, there really is no Calvary coming. You essentially have to throw the entire game and try to make this happen for yourself. They are they are missing out on Montgomery. Potentially, he's in concussion protocol. You got Tariq Cohen, who's on IR this year um, with an ACL from early in the year. So you, they're just devastated. And if Foles is getting sacked this many times, it's because he knows, like, I have to f- try and buy time for my tight ends and, and my wide receivers to get open. And if everybody knows that, then that's where a guy like Zimmer who loves his blitzes and loves to get in your face. If they know you're skittish, this is exactly what his, his perfect scenario is, is forget about the running game. We, we hardly have to worry about that. Put it on Nick Foles. And if he's already struggling, get in his head as fast as possible and just make him miserable for the entire game. And if you can do that and you start demoralizing that Chicago defense because they can't score and because they can't hold on to the ball, 
that's where everything just snowballs for them. And, and that's where you have your opportunity to have success this weekend. Because they, they, they maybe have not been the unit they were a couple years ago, but they're only giving up 21 points a game in a season where points are way up in this league. And, and even though it's not a monstrous number, they're still turning the ball over once a game. They've, they've picked the ball off five times. They've recumber, recovered four fumbles. They forced nine of them. They have a defensive TD. This is still a defense that gets after you and causes trouble. Uh, going back to your point, uh, Jay, and I'll spin this one over to Chris. You know, it, it's, it's an opportunity here, I think, for the Vikings young secondary. Because Allen Robinson – Given everything we just said about Foles, you have to rank this dude as one of the best receivers in the game right now. I mean, he's in a struggling offense, 57 receptions, 712 yards, three touchdowns. It's silly how well he's playing, but this isn't Aaron Rodgers. This is not Matthew Stafford, who's a hell of a quarterback. This is a struggling Nick Foles, and this is an opportunity. To, I mean, th think of what you've dealt with. And if, let's say that the Falcons game was just a weird disaster. We chalk it up as a Bills-esque game, and we don't look at it here for a second. Let's talk about what this team has dealt with. You know, we got the win against Deshaun Watson, who's a very good quarterback, but Tannehill is playing incredible this year. You know, Derrick Henry is a beast. You, you played a good offense there. You, then you go to the MVP, one of the top MVP candidates in Russell Wilson, and then it's Aaron Rodgers, and then it's Matthew Stafford. And it's, we keep talking about how these young corners and this young defense has hung in there. To me, now is this, Chris, an opportunity with a struggling defense to not just hang in there? Is this the chance to go, oh, sh what was that? Oh, boy. You know, Jeff Gladney, who you're seeing improve on a week-to-week -week basis, and now I know not everybody loves pro football focus, and I have my issues with it as well, but I always look at pro football focus as a correlation instead of an absolute. Just because you wind up on one of the top of their list doesn't mean it's an absolute that you're that player. But if you are consistently winding up on their list, I think you can correlate that to – being one of the stronger performers as you're at your position. And you're starting to see, you know, you're starting to see those numbers for Jeff Gladney here. So this is an opportunity for these young guys, in my opinion, with the struggling offense to just maybe make a statement. I have a few points here. And the first one is with the young you court. Get one point, Chris. Oh, I'm, I'm, I just gave a 30 minute I'm, I'm, TED talk. I'm hot today. One point. I'm hot today. I got two things. <laughs> Chris Boyd. Oh, Chris, you're hot every day. Chris Boyd had his mock turtleneck Viking sweatshirt. Chris, you are Guy Fieri. Keep going. Chris Boyd had his best game of his career. It was the the last. It was Week 17 at home against the Bears. A lot of the younger players played as the Vikings were already in the playoffs. And Chris Boyd played in that game, and he guarded Allen Robinson. And I remember that was. That was his like, okay, this guy can play. Zimmer said, all right, this guy, I can put him in that in that cornerback position rather than just having him play special teams. I think he even like had a little Instagram like fight with Allen Robinson after the game. And I remember Adam Thielen was like laughing about it in the locker room last year saying, yeah, this guy Chris Boyd, he can cover that guy. So I, I think that matchup is one that we're really going to want to key on in this game going forward. And, and then my second point, Cy, number two, yeah, is let's, let's beef it up. Nick Foles, I can't get the taste of the NFC Championship with the Eagles out of, like, it just won't go away ever. As a Vikings fan, as working for the team, and I think Harrison Smith remembers that game pretty well because it's probably the worst game of his career. I think Harrison Smith. So that just just to make it just to make just they're to make good, clear, they're, they have to be pissed off in this game. I understand that, but just to make clear here, you you had two points. Your first point was a well thought out behind the scenes look at. Uh, Second at one is a, all emotion, fan emotion. At a player on the team. 
team. And the second one was like, hey, do you remember the worst Viking moment of the last decade where one of our stars was a dumpster? So, hey, now we're going to crush them. I'm so glad I let you get through both points, Chris. You know, uh, I had I just my want- car stolen like four and a half years ago. Do you want to break that down in point number three? What I'm just saying like- we've had struggles in Chicago on Monday night. We've had struggles against Nick Foles when he wasn't expected to do it How against us. Helping? I think, I really think that this is where you, a guy like Harrison Smith says, let's freaking beat these guys. I mean, come on. He's struggling. Let's sack the hell out of Nick Foles. I'm ready for it. I can't I, wait I can't, to I can't wait to see the mic'd up next week where he literally does this. He goes, "Hey guys, let's <laughs> freaking beat these guys. Come on, let's let's do it. Let's freaking beat them, Jay." It's good to see kind of the inside of Corso's cranium. I think that's what we should call the segment when we try to figure out like what exactly is he getting at. So it's 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 always fun. I, I inside honestly, Corso's cortex. Yep. There, there you go. go. Corso's cortex. That works for me too. Um, <laughs> I'm but, a but branding thing, genius. <laughs> the thing for me with this is that yes. There are a lot of veterans on here, Corso, that have had a a torrid history with this team and how much they've beaten us down at times. But I, I as you said earlier, I want them to, to kill Nick Foles, kill him. It, uh, it's a week to. It, here's the thing, <laughs> metaphorically. It, it, they say it all the time in the NFL. It's a week to week business, and it really is. And again, you just have a chance this week to try to improve. I, I know we had this discussion before and you're saying I'm not talking about the Super Bowl and neither am I. But if you can string together another one here and you can get three in a row again with this this next chunk of the schedule coming up, it just helps gives you more and more confidence that we can still continue to do some damage in this weird season that we're having in 2020. Yeah, despite how much I just made fun of Corso, uh, which uh, he thoroughly and utterly deserved, uh, you know, I am a believer in the aspect of emotions running through locker rooms and seasonal vibes and, and, and what happens as a team picks up momentum. And I do think if you go in and you get this Chicago game, I know it's one week at a time. Who's in front of us next? But if you're a Viking team, that gets this win, moves to four and five, and is looking down the barrel at a Dallas team that is playing Brantley Gilbert or whatever the hell that guy's name is, and a Jaguars team that is playing fill-in-the-blank, and a competitive matchup against the Panthers, you might see, you know, the team, I just – that happens in seasons. Guys get a little bit of extra pep to their step. The locker room develops a little bit of extra belief, and you can capitalize on that and make a run, especially with the discussions here that this league might be adding an extra playoff spot, and we might be talking about eight playoff teams in each conference. It could – what an interesting roller coaster of a season this could end up being after starting it like, oh, no, disaster, then, oh, no, let's just tank it all the way out to, wait, did we almost beat the Seahawks to, oh, no, what the hell was that to, wait, do we have a shot at being relevant here? And then if you run through these next few games, you go, wait a second, this is a team now playing for a playoff position. And it's a, it's a concept that I think through six weeks – most Vikings fans uh, would have thrown something at you if you would have suggested the idea that we could be playing meaningful football in December. So I, I think it's exciting. Download the official mobile app of the Minnesota Vikings today for either your Apple or Android device. Watch game highlights, press conferences, and exclusive Vikings Entertainment Network content. Stay up to date on the latest team news and much more. Customize your app experience via push notifications so you never miss out on breaking news or fan promotions. Search for Minnesota Vikings in the app or Google Play stores. For information, it's vikings.com slash app one of the guys we touched on there was jeff gladney the rookie cornerback for one of the two first round picks for the vikings in the 2020 draft uh our very own chris corso got to sit down and have a conversation with him uh we're going to run that and then we're going to come out and we're going to talk a little bit about this rookie class as a whole so chris i'm going to let you take it away What is up, Vikings fans? This is Chris Corso here with the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and our guest of the week is cornerback Jeff Gladney, who's playing just about 
every snap for the Vikings defense so far. What's going on, man? Oh, what's good, man? How you doing? So, like I said, you go from playing nine snaps in week one against the Green Bay Packers, and now it's just about every snap for the Vikings defense. So mm -hmm. what has that growth experience been like for you so far? Uh, it's been great so far, you know, just with the opportunity, thankful to have it and just – I mean, you really can't ask for more than that, being put in a position like that. And, you know, everyone's depending on you, so you want to play at your best. So the Vikings camera and mic'd up segment caught you and Chris Boyd talking about the big head segment on right. Vikings.com, which after only after a win, we take the best pictures of the game and we give you guys a big head and kind of give you some love on the Vikings website. So tell us about that conversation and, and give some Vikings fans some insight on what you guys were talking about. Uh, you know, just out there making plays. And um, Chris had mentioned he wanted a big head. And I thought back, I was like, yeah, I've never had one. I love one too. So please give me one. That's awesome. And, and you and Chris Boyd, you're both Texas guys. So you got a lot in common. Two young cornerbacks learning a lot from right. coach, from head coach Mike Zimmer. So talk about your relationship with Chris and, and what that's been like for you. Well, me and Chris go way back. Um, high school, we used to scrimmage each other. We're from the same area, Nine oh three boys. And so um, played in high school, both went to the Big 12, played each other, and now we're on the same team in the NFL. It's kind of really cool. A big game for Chris last year was the last week of the season when the Vikings took on the Chicago Bears at U.S. Bank Stadium. He stepped in. I think he, he jawed a little bit. Uh, with Allen Robinson, and, and I remember remember Adam Thielen telling me, man, this Chris Boyd is going to be a good player. So has he spoken to you at all about what you guys have coming up this week in the Chicago Bears? Um, we haven't spoken much other than, you know, we're going to go in this game with the same mindset, execute our plays, and um, try to come out on top. Speaking about drawing with players, I think a big moment that stands out to me this season for you was when you're drawing around with D.K. Metcalf on Sunday Night Football, and I was like, man, this guy's got some confidence coming out uh, right. out on the field. So was that kind of a moment for you where you're like, all right, I'm an NFL player. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I was always taught, you know, confidence, no cockiness, and um, just not going to back down from anyone. Is he one of your favorite uh, opponents you've gone against so far? Uh, I would say so far, yeah, he's one of them. Well, we know Mike Zimmer loves his cornerbacks, and he's pretty tough on them because they're pretty important to him. So what has your relationship been like with head coach Mike Zimmer so far in your first couple games as an NFL player? Um, it's been good so far. You know, um, young player, so of course he's going to push me, but you can't ask for more from your coach. I mean, that's what you want. You played in the Big 12, probably some of the best competition in college football. Now you're in the NFL. What's been the biggest difference so far in your career compared from NFL opponents to the Big 12 in college football? Um, from college to here now, I would say more – in the Big 12, we spread the ball out a little more. And now here in the league, you know, read my, uh, run, my run keys and stuff like that. But, I mean, easy adjustments, though. Well, you've played a little bit of the slot. You've played on the outside. You've played just about everywhere at the cornerback position for, for head coach Mike Zimmer. So where's your favorite place to play out on the field? Or, or do you just like playing any position? I mean, I like playing any position. But I think at the nickel spot, it kind of gets you, you know, closer to the run and you're playing pass. So I like, you know, having a mixture of both. Looking at the Chicago Bears' options at the wide, wide receiver position, who are you kind of keying on this week, planning to shut down? They got their key pieces, some of their uh, take-the-top-off guys, so we'll be ready for them. Last question. Obviously, you guys are on a bit of a run here. On the, uh, the back of Dalvin Cook, and, and the Vikings' defense has really improved as well. So what are your expectations for the rest of the season for the Vikings? Man, I hope the chef keeps cooking and everybody else is going to do that thing too. I love it. Well, a big matchup against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. This was Jeff Gladney. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Really appreciate oh, it. No problem. Thank you. Vikings game plan returns for a 14th season hosted by me, Paul Allen, your voice of the Minnesota Vikings. We feature weekly player interviews, game film breakdowns with former linebacker, current analyst Pete Bursich, plus more. Watch weekly on KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Details at Vikings.com slash game plan.
That was Chris Corso with a surging Jeff Gladney, is what I'll say. A surging and improving Jeff Gladney. Uh, real quick, guys, reminder, it's game day any day. Play the new Viking scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. And guys, he, here's the thing that I really wanted to touch on on this show today. And I know, you know, we could maybe talk some NFL news, but I'd rather spend our last little time walking through this. I am constantly at odds with people because I believe the most important thing in a professional sports organization is stability. That doesn't mean that you should be scared to make changes at the head coach and the general manager position. But when you look at the teams who have consistent success throughout the years, they tend to have a very stable organization. Chris, you and I have talked about this both on and off the air. Look at the Baltimore Ravens who have cycled through multiple coaches and multiple quarterbacks and weaved in and out of being incredibly successful as a football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I have been a pretty harsh defender of Zimmer and Spielman and stability. And I've also been able to understand that the Kirk Cousins, you know, contract and extension are at the forefront of how people walk through that conversation when it comes to our general manager. But as Viking fans, it's important to take a breath right here and put that entire conversation aside, no matter which, which side of it you're on and realize that we might be looking at a situation where Rick Spielman knocked it the hell out of the park with this 2020 draft in a situation with COVID happening. And, and because there's, there's two types of situations where lots of rookies play, where you see a lot of rookies get onto a roster and play. There's one where guys do it and they perform a little bit, but you kind of know in the back of your mind that this is more of a necessity and these guys aren't trending towards being long-term pieces of this team necessarily. And then there are guys that grab a hold of spots and you go, I don't know that they're ever going to let this spot go. And that's very clearly happening with Justin Jefferson. It is, I, I don't know if Ezra Cleveland's going to wind up at a tackle spot. And I'm not saying he's been flawless at guard, but given the guard play that this football team has seen for the last four years, this two-week Ezra Cleveland experience is a breath of fresh air. And DJ Wanham is showing up over and over and over again. You look at Jeff Gladney, who, like we said, is improving week in, week out. And, you know, you have the Dantzler thing in the background because of the injury, but you're talking Troy Dye. We're probably looking at – I know that third linebacker doesn't get on the field as much as the, the two studs do, but you're looking at a guy next year who Troy Dye could absolutely be your third starting linebacker, and not just because – you need him to, but because he's stepping up. So you, you have anywhere from four to six guys who you feel are playing well and are in a position to grow and be a major part of this organization. That doesn't happen. You don't knock out, you don't knock drafts out of the park like that very often. And, and it is, I think, especially impressive in a COVID season. I agree. And, and we've had, all these conversations about the drafts and 15 picks and is it too many picks to to have w with a team but you just named five or six guys there that are key contributors to this defense and offense I mean like you said with Ezra Cleveland I never would have thought it would have taken him so long to to get these reps with the starting unit but now that he's come in he's I mean he, he's not giving it up because of how great Ezra has played so Everyone needs to kind of give these guys some time. We, we it's it, they're not rookies anymore. We're we're ten weeks into the season, and I mean that's that's the the mantra. I get, I get it. That's your that's, that's your, the Andre uh, pa that's your Patterson, dad who's also a junior high coach. Ain't your first week, buddy. Andre Patterson says it. Fadio Denebo says it. These guys aren't rookies anymore. They're depending on them to be key contributors to this defense and offense, and I think. 
<laughs> you just ran through the list. It's it, it is pretty impressive the the draft picks that that the Vikings front office has has got on this roster. It really is. Well, and 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 you know, I think Ezra's exposure. The, the, they've been able to limit his exposure in pass protection, and he's held up reasonably well. But I think they've been able to do that because of the effect he's had on the running game. I, I mentioned it, and I I know there are only ten guys on the field, but it wasn't the only time this happened this weekend where you saw the ball in Delvin's hands going to the left, and you're like, oh. Sh-. There's Ezra Cleveland out in front running somebody over. So, uh, you know, I'm with you. You got to give guys some time. But I think it's it's great to be excited about Ezra Cleveland. And I, I, let me let me talk about one thing that we haven't spent a lot of time on with Justin Jefferson here. And it's, you know, when he was at LSU, Jefferson played 78% of his snaps in the slot in his final year. Uh, 98% of his production came from those snaps. You know, when you line up in the slot, he rarely saw man coverage and was able to take advantage of the holes in the defense. When he got forced to line up on the outside in his sophomore season, he didn't have that same success. You know, mediocre, mediocre statistics comparatively. And throughout his rookie season, that is not what we've seen. He has provided endless examples of where his game has grown. You saw what he did against Jeffrey Okuda this weekend, lined up on the outside with a physical cornerback, but he was able to stay on his route, create a separation, and get that early gain that set up the, the game's first touchdown. So it's stuff like that and the Ezra out in front and pulling and the, the little plays here and there that, that for Gladney that make you go, oh, okay, this is like Gladney, Gladney against the run made a couple of really nice plays against Adrian Peterson this past week. And it's stuff like that that makes you go, okay, these aren't guys just flashing. And it's, this is more of like these are becoming pros. These guys are becoming pros with the ability to become studs. And if, if three of these six guys become big-time contributors on rookie deals, I mean, that, is a, that can be a window changer, if you will, Jay. Yeah, that is a that is a huge recipe for success because it just helps so much when you have your established veterans not having to necessarily make business decisions that you don't want to. So if you can replenish with it with a huge crop like this, like we have so far in the way it looks, that is that's a godsend for guys like Rob Brzezinski who have to make some of those difficult decisions along with Rick Spielman. So I think that if as long as you see these guys coming in and contributing in a, in a significant way, they're going to be smiling ear to ear just to make sure that they can keep this going every single season. And the thing about it was this year's class coming in, there's a lot of experts that said, you know, there's a lot of de- depth in a, in a bunch of these defensive areas. And one of the things you always hear Rick and those guys say is we're going to draft best player available, not necessarily for need. Granted, they definitely do draft for needs at times, but these guys have all filled in in spots. And I think the the frustrating thing for fans was just saying, oh, there's too much youth here. They don't really get it yet. They're still trying to figure it out. Most normal teams, they wouldn't be being thrown into the fire with rookies across the board like this. Just looking through the list myself, I've seen at least 10 players who have drafted this year who have played significant roles in the season so far. So like if you're getting all those guys in the field and they're all getting this kind of experience in a rookie season, that's going to be invaluable moving forward for this team. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you walk into next season and you have four guys, three to four guys who are holding down spots because they've earned them, not because we have, we have a hole to fill. That's, that's where you, you know, a round of applause is deserved for that draft performance. If you go, Hey, we got a top wide receiver. We got a starting cornerback, maybe two out of two out of the top three cornerbacks, given how Dantzler comes back and continues to perform. You have a guy who's in your rotation as a defensive lineman who's really making some plays and you have a starting offensive lineman, that's, that's a big deal. And that doesn't even count. That doesn't even discuss some of the other guys that are on the roster right now. I mean, Hercules Mata'afa, a guy who a lot of us were really psyched about and then kind of just didn't come to fruition, got released, got brought back. And now all of a sudden he's out on the exterior as an edge rusher and he's performing. 
You know, KJ Osborne, we still know that dude has an absolute ton of talent, but I, just like I always used to say to Corso, it's just as important to improve at a position from being 30 to 15th in the league. You know what I'm saying? And there's, there's things that can really change the trajectory of a unit and a football team. And if you hit one draft, like you really knock it out of the park, you can change the trajectory of your football team and build a window really, really quickly. So am I getting ahead of myself and being ridiculous? For sure. Is that what I do every single week on this stupid show? 100%. At least I'm not Corso throwing a parade through TCO right now. So that, this was my Chris Corso moment at the end of the show. Uh, guys, let's, let's wrap it back to the Bears to end the show here. But before we do, a couple of quick programming notes. Uh, check out this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins with his special guest, running back Alexander Madison. Uh, they were able to talk about Madison's draft day experience, what the vibe is like in the huddle this season, and his perspective on what Dalvin is doing right now. That's Under Center with Kirk Cousins every Tuesday night, 6 p.m. on KFAN. Uh, or you can download the podcast version right here uh, on any of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, tune in to Vikings Post Game Live every week, 15 minutes after each game. Inside U.S. Bank Stadium, you'll get Mark Rosen, Ben Lieber, Pete Bursich, press conferences, film review, next-gen stats. Uh, it is a fantastic show. Tune in on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, and all of your Vikings social media channels. And then, hey – Check out Vikings Vantage this Friday night following the Gophers football game on KFAN 100.3. Gabe Henderson, Chris Corso, special guest CJ Ham sharing the fun he's having right now being a part of that dominant running game. Uh, Gabe and Chris will also give you up-to-the-minute info on everything leading up to the kickoff versus Chicago. Check it out live on KFAN or much like under center. You can download it on your favorite podcast app. Uh, that's Viking Vantage this Friday uh, evening after the Gopher game. Uh, guys, we're going for three in a row against the Chicago Bears. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but it would be big if we can get it done. Uh, let me get your final thoughts, Jay. Make the Chicago Bears quit. They're on that brink right now. They're, the offense especially is struggling. Make Nick Foles really have to contemplate if he wants to keep doing this or not. It's been rough for him the last three weeks. Make it four in a row. And uh, defensively, pin your ears back and let those young rookies in the secondary be able to handle those guys one-on-one. -on -one. Chris? Get at Nick Foles. Get at him. Because we don't like what he did to us in the NFC Championship, Cy. Let's get it. Let's get him. What a what a way to wrap the show. I, I'm gonna say, and this is kind of a place that I've been for a year and a half now, uh, Chris. I'm gonna say that I I expect Dalvin to continue to be very good. Whether or not he puts up 50, it's it's the Randy Moss thing. You know, Randy Moss could have two catches and he could have an unexplainable effect on the way the defense has to prepare. That's, that's the level Dalvin Cook is walking towards right now. He might only go out and have 50 yards uh, and a couple catches on Monday, but if that's the case, I anticipate it to be because the Chicago Bears is doing everything in their power to stop them. And if that's what they're doing, I would like to see what happened with the Tennessee Titans happen for the Minnesota Vikings. And regardless of that situation, I'd like to see us make some plays and, and get a big win. Because if you can get this win in Chicago, and like I mentioned before, if you step up in a couple of non-Delvin ways, I think what that does for the team's psyche and mentality and the enthusiasm throughout our fan base would be huge. If Dalvin has a nice game, but you look back and you go, that was a nice game, but holy sh Irv had, you know, 110 yards for two touchdowns and Kirk went for 280 and three and, and made this dagger throw to Adam Thielen. If you can find a couple of those other moments that aren't just Dalvin related to walk away from this game and you have a W, I think that that is the thing that will excite people and that is the thing that will really get this whole 
steamroll moving towards uh, the playoff conversation. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We will see you guys next week.